You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So here's what we're going to do. Let's just get started because everybody by now knows the deal. But maybe if you're new to listening in on this, this is five golden questions with me, Wes Goldberg and Bram Hillsman of the Warriors Huddle Podcast. Uh, what we do here is we answer the five most pressing questions uh, dealing with the Golden State Warriors. And of course, the draft a, a week away, most of it is going to have to do with the draft. Uh, but we will, of course, talk about Space Jam 2 later on. And then uh, if you have a question, you can leave it in the chat. We will monitor the chat during this entire show uh, for a couple more questions. Or if you're brave enough, you can just go ahead and request to speak here on the Green Room app. And then we will get to that question later on in the show. So please do remain patient and remain uh, on the line and on the app. So um, let's get right into it. Bram, and our first question has to do with trading the number seven pick because the Ringers' Kevin O'Connor reported in his latest mock draft that the Warriors are actively shopping that seventh overall pick. Do you think moving the seventh pick is the right move? Let me back up first. Well, I'll give you an answer, then I'll back up. Um, do I think that trading the seventh pick is the right move? I don't know. It's an incomplete hypothetical, right? The concept itself, sure, absolutely. Wes, I want them kicking every tire, shaking every tree, calling every GM. You know, that this is an all-hands-on-deck scenario. We have spent an entire year, and we will spend the entire offseason talking about let's make sure Steph's title window gets some immediate support. Easiest way to do that, trade the seventh pick, right? But the reason why it's incomplete, trade it for who? You know, if – I, the, the, you and I have talked about this a lot of different ways, and the names that have come back, people like Joe Ingles, have never been sexy enough for me to immediately say yes. So conceptually, am I interested? Yeah, hell yes. Do I want to immediately do it? I need to know, right? Who's on the other side? And then this is me backing up. This is five golden questions, and Wes's description of this show is on the money. But there's kind of a subplot, too. From what I can tell, Wes spends a lot of this podcast trying to get me to hate him. So we'll see. We'll see today. I think it's going to be the Space Jam one. I think it's a Space Jam question. You think? To get me all fired up. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, we've got, we've got four other questions, so we'll see. And maybe it'll be this one. Uh, where are you on the trading the seventh pick, man? I mean, are there people whose names attract you? I mean, yeah, break this down for me. So the other thing that people need to know about me, if they don't know this already, I spend maybe more time on the trade machine than anybody else. And people could come at me and challenge, just don't at me. I spend a lot of time on the trade <laughs> machine, at least three hours a day uh, and slight exaggeration. But um, I have names. I'll get to some fake trades here in a moment. Uh, I think if you can move the seventh pick and if you need to combine the 14th pick, depending on who it is that you bring back, of course, and go for it. Um, the Warriors are actively shopping seven. I think they're actively shopping seven and not 14 because the, uh, you can get a lot more with seven than you can get with 14, right? Let's 14 and people, Oh, it's a lottery pick. It's a mid middle first round pick. Okay. Like let's, let's be real about this. The seventh pick versus the 14th pick. The seventh pick is much, uh, more valuable in any sort of deal. Uh, and if the goal is to get an immediate contributor, for example, in the draft, well then, you know, who's a better a media contributor, a player who's been in the NBA for a few years and has immediately and has contributed at that level already, 
and who you know can walk in on day one and, and do something for you uh, as part of your core rotation. So I think that the Warriors are are making calls. I think they are doing that due diligence that we always talk about. I think they should be really aggressive. And according to Kevin O'Connor, they have been very aggressive. Um, I know that John Hollinger uh, a few weeks ago also reported the same thing about maybe moving packaging 7, 14, and Wiseman for some other player. That would be the idea, right? Maybe not even necessarily Wiseman. Again, it depends on the sort of return that you're getting back. But 7 plus a salary or something like that. So, yeah, I think that's absolutely the, the, the move that they should make. Now, I will say this. Uh, I have not heard that that deal is out there yet, right? And I think that the Warriors expect to take somebody at seven. That said, we're still a week away, and most of the trades don't really materialize until a couple of days before the draft, right? And so if something were, if something was going to happen, it wouldn't have happened yet. Uh, so we still have about we, we still have you know seven more days for something to actually happen. Speaking of something actually happening, Bram, I've got a couple of trade ideas. You ready for them? I am. Can I give you props first? Um, yeah. I mean, to, so I mean, you're not spending three hours of time on the trade machine. That is bananas. I mean, you know, probably like two and a half hours, but it's right there. But right. one of the first times I met Wes, ladies and gentlemen. So I've been lucky enough to attend a couple of Warriors practices, and when they actually allowed people to go to the practice, you know, you showed up at Chase Center. Attending a practice, that phrase is a misnomer. You don't actually get to go in and watch them practice. What happens is the Warriors invite you. They practice. The press waits for the practice to finish. And then once the Warriors have completed that practice, they invite you in and you ask some questions at the podium. So that creates this period of time when the, the media is waiting. You, know, you, gotta, you have no control over when the practice is done and you don't know when it's going to be. So you kind of have to kill some time. And they've got a media room right next to the practice court that has a lot of like inset desks that are for specific media. So I show up and very obviously I don't have a desk, so I feel super out of place and I'm just trying to pretend like I belong. And I'm, I'm watching this interaction. And at the time, Wes is in the middle of them. He's working on a salary cap article of memory serves. And like Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover, people would just randomly ask him like, oh, what's the contract here? Or what are the numbers there? Or what's a possible trade? And every single one without having to look up, Wes had an answer. And I don't know if I've given you props on this, Wes. Um, hmm. you know, I probably haven't because I was kind of jealous of your knowledge at that point. So I was impressed and he is our guy. If, if you want somebody to scour the league for possible names, we've got the right one. So I'm fired up to hear these trade offers. One last parameter. And then of course I want to hear him. So like value, right? We've got, I will immediately acknowledge that I am willing to get back less than what the seven pick is worth. If they if they help out Steph, you know, um, right. And all of us are familiar with this concept. Value depends on need. If I am in the middle of a reservoir and you want to sell me a glass of water, I'm probably not going to spend a lot of money on that. If I'm in the middle of a desert and you, you know, you give me a, a shot glass of water, I will spend anything on it. So, you know, right now the Warriors need they need someone to immediately help. Now, does that mean we give up on all value? No, but. I do acknowledge that, you know, we'd, we'd be willing to give up more than we're getting back. Who do you got, Wes? So the first one I have for you, to me, is the least realistic one, because I actually ran this by somebody who's uh, pretty plugged in with Cleveland. Um, and they said that it would basically be a non-starter, but I thought it would be a fun thing, uh, thought exercise anyway. Would you swap Andrew Wiggins' contract for Kevin Love's if it meant moving up from seven to three? 
If you had asked me this before the Olympics, resounding absolute yes. Uh, I mean, you and I even talked about, you know, maybe they can get love for cheap and he's got all these upsides. And it's unfair to judge him on that Olympic performance. You know, he hadn't played forever. The, the, all of the teams, the superstars, Durant looked, you know, out of sorts, but loved looked fucking terrible, Wes. Um, he was a turnstile on defense. He looked totally out of sorts on offense. So I would be really nervous about it. I mean, that, there's the one side. The other side, I mean, who are we talking? Suggs probably at three or somebody of that level. I think um, it would make it, it might be Suggs, but if you're moving Wiggins for Kevin Love, do you just go Scotty Barnes there at number three? So if that's the move, then my my answer is no, surprisingly. Um, and it has more to do. Well, let me start that over. My answer would be I'm not sure. You know, it'd be a sleepless night. I wouldn't be able to answer one way or the other. But my concern is. I've come to really love Wiggins. Like I'm, yeah. I'm on board for him and I'm expecting big things from him next year. And if we can't count on love being even, you know, a C plus version of past Kevin love then I don't know, man, I'd, I'd be nervous on it for you. You say yes to this. Uh, yeah, I don't even, I, if Evan Mobley was on the board at three and it sounds like he's going to be, I would still take Mobley. I mean, knowing that Wiseman's there, I just think he's the best player available at number three. Yep. Um, but I, I love Suggs. I would take him also. I wouldn't have a problem with Scotty Barnes. You can bring in Kevin Love. I mean, but that contract is really, really tough. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But again, not a whole, not much of a point to spend a lot of time on that because it, it's not happening according to um, the one guy that I asked. And so you'd, you'd let Wiggins fulfill his overall prophecy of playing <laughs> in Cleveland. You know, it, oh it my took a God. while to get there, but yeah, Cavaliers writers would have so much stuff to work with there. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer? choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business, serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, and then write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Um, all right, next one. Golden State gets Steven Adams and the 10th overall pick. And the Warriors get James Wiseman. Oh, I'm sorry, the Pelicans get James Wiseman and the 7th overall pick. No. Hard no. Why? Absolutely not. I do not believe in Steven Adams. If you came to me and said Adams straight up for Wiseman, I might say no. And if I've got to move back in the draft... Um, and in player wise, no, I go, no. What if the Pelicans threw in like one of these future Lakers first rounders or one of their own first rounders? Cause they got a bunch of picks. They better throw in like ball 
if Lonzo is a part mm. of that, I don't know how you can make the, the contracts work. Or if Zion is a part of it, yes. But the the what we saw last year with Stephen Adams, I mean, he he, uh, he was more than a C plus version of himself. And I used to like Adams a lot, and I like his physicality, and I can see what he would do here. But I kind of believe in Wiseman, um, especially now. So the, the finals kind of screwed me up, Wes, and maybe I'm just being ridiculous. But seeing what Aiton could do for that Phoenix team and then seeing that picture of Giannis, you know, the, the one of how big he was when he was drafted versus how big he is right now has me maybe unnecessarily excited for Wiseman's future. Now, I'm not saying he's going to become uh, Antetokounmpo. That's not my take. What my take is, is we see big men's bodies change unbelievably quickly. And if this kid is 20 now, and he could literally be physically a totally different person in like one or two years, I kind of believe in him and seeing what Aiton could do for Phoenix, I'm not anxious to get out. So no, I'd say no to that one. All right, final one. The Warriors, or you know what? I'll, 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 I'll save the Warriors for what they get for last. Charlotte gets James Wiseman and the 13th overall pick from Indiana. Yep. Indiana gets Kavon Looney, Miles Bridges, a bunch of non-guaranteed contracts from the, the Warriors, and the 7th overall pick from the Warriors. Okay? The yep. Warriors get Miles Turner, Justin Holiday, and the 11th overall pick. Now, before you respond to that, I am acknowledging that I have officially broken my seal on the no I will not take any Indiana Pacers trade ideas uh, <laughs> don't you take my jokes away from you <laughs> I'm just getting ahead of it look I put that boycott and I stand by it and I put that boycott down for a reason I kept getting the same trade requests over and over and over again I answered them uh, three or four or five or six different times and I said you know what I am not doing this for the next four or five months I'm just not going to do it so I boycotted all Indiana Pacers trades that's the only reason I did that. I just didn't want to keep answering the same question over and over and over again. And now that we are a week into the draft, I could deal with it. And I will say this, from that same mock draft that Kevin O'Connor published on The Ringer, he said that the Pacers are actively looking to either trade up or out. And that the Warriors <laughs> are actively looking to trade out for number seven. So if the Pacers are trying to trade up from 13 into the top 10, and the Warriors are sitting there needing somebody who could be an immediate contributor... I think that um, uh, uh, those two teams coming together makes a lot of sense. What I don't think makes any sense is Indiana getting James Wiseman. And I did, I, I sniffed around Indiana. So again, some people who know more about that Pacers organization, more plugged in than I am, obviously. And they said that they don't think that the Pacers would be interested in Wiseman, which was another reason why I boycotted Pacers questions, because I didn't understand the reason why they would move Miles Turner for Wiseman. If the problem is that Miles Turner and Sabonis can't coexist, then Wiseman's going to be having a harder time coexisting with Sabonis. So, but that's why you get that third team involved, and that third team here is Charlotte, which obviously was interested in James Wiseman last year, had them second on their board behind LaMelo Ball. They obviously ended up with LaMelo, but maybe they'd want two guys in that same sort of window. LaMelo and Wiseman, by the way, on the court would be really, really fun. I mean, talk about a fast-paced team that can get up and down the court. So, uh, so that's the reasoning why I brought this up, and I actually really, really like this trade for all sides. So I like the trade too, but I'm not going to go to the trade first. You're not going to talk me out of or hedge me from giving you shit, man. So I, I don't. I've never used this social media trick, but I've seen it a thousand times where you dig up somebody's old take 
and then you you give it back to them and on top of that take you say this you so if we could if somebody out there is some kind of technological genius if you could pull out the podcast where we did this segment what would you ask people to stop writing you about if memory serves what Wes said was stop with all pacer suggestions all of them all pacer That's suggestions right. so yep. if i could pull that i would ask you Wes this you you know but now moving to the trade um, Wes sent me a picture of this trade today and you guys have heard me. I like trying to screw with Wes. I like disagreeing with him. It makes for better radio. And as I looked through this trade, Wes, what I wanted to tell you is no, I'm not interested. I wanted to come up with reasons why not to try to make myself sound, uh, somewhat smart, but looking at this thing, uh, this is, this is a very solid trade you have put together, man. And the thing that speaks to me the most about it is that Wiggins is not a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, I'm always worried that the problem with trading the seventh pick and getting immediate help is people forget about the money. And generally speaking, it's going to require Wiggins to go out. This one does not. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at their pictures. You know, if I got it right, really who they're giving up is Loon, Pascal, Wiseman, and essentially that's everything of oh and 7 And then they, they get back Holiday, Turner, and 11. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this is a sleepless night trade. I'm giving up a little bit more than I want. I like Wiseman's upside for all the reasons we were just talking about, you know, but I'm also, I bet you both of those other teams is thinking the same thing. It's, it's just good enough where you can't say no. And it's not quite phenomenal enough where you say yes immediately. So I mean, this, this is a trade I think all three teams would consider. Um, I like the deal because you're getting a starting caliber center in Miles Turner that you don't have to worry about, who is a floor spacer. There are some concerns about how he, if he could survive defensively in the playoffs because we haven't really seen him do that. The Pacers missed the playoffs last year. Uh, that was his best defensive year, but he's come along strong as a rim protector. I think there are things that you can do around it, especially if Draymond Green is there in the front court with him. Justin Holiday is a nice sort of bench player, six foot six long. Um, streaky shooter, but can do stuff defensively. Um, obviously not going to be your sixth man, but a nice rotation piece to have. And then you're still keeping the 14th pick and you're getting the 11th pick. And I actually think the Warriors in their heart of hearts would, I, I don't, I'm not saying that they would just trade seven for 11 straight up, but I don't think that they would mind having to fall back to 11 a little bit and picking from a draft that they like at 11 and 14. I have a subsequent deal here for you. Brand, oh, if the Warriors yeah. were to make this hypothetical trade, the Lakers love. I can only hope it's for a pacer. It's a deal for the with the Lakers actually, so you're going to be very upset. The Lakers yeah. love Chris Duarte out of Oregon, and they're not going to be able to get him at 22. They're hoping desperately that he falls at 22, but it doesn't sound like he's going to fall that far. Actually, the Warriors could take him at 14. I think that's probably as high as he goes. And if he's there at 14, depending on who else is on the board, I expect the Warriors. Um, to strongly consider Chris Duarte. But um, could you move, could you take a player at 11? I don't, let's call it Josh Giddy or just whatever, whoever's there at number 11. And then at 14, Duarte is still available, but the Lakers offer you Marcus Saul and the 22nd overall pick. And if you're the Warriors, maybe you give up, you know, 11 and maybe one of these non-guaranteed deals that you didn't include, maybe like a Michael Mould or something like that, whatever. Um, and then you move down. Yep. And 
you've already lost you you've basically swapped two centers Wiseman and Looney for one in Miles Turner so you still have a need at backup center Marcus Saul can fill that need really well uh I would consider it right that, that that's interesting and, yeah and another championship experience guy right in Toronto mm-hmm. and it's worth saying just holiday or Justin Holiday, former warrior and championship experience here right um yeah and he knows Kerr's system so yeah I I, I like this and in further support of it from seven to eleven if the Warriors had the sixth pick, it'd be a lot harder. If you include Scotty Barnes, although Kuminga's stock seems to be I would never a little do. bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's exactly right. You know, like the the you look at these mock drafts and the first six, the order changes, but generally speaking, the names don't. Um, mm-hmm. And when you get to seven, from seven to fourteen, and even you know the the rest of that first round is a clusterfuck. There there is no definitive order, or put differently, there is no one guy who everyone's saying, all right, you got to get him at seven. So moving back from seven, there is a chance that whoever you get at 11 would be just as helpful to the team as who you get at seven. So it's not that nasty of a step back. Yeah. Uh, Mick G-Boy writes in, Marcus Saul, after the season you just witnessed, why are you so obsessed with players that are clearly past it and shouldn't be in the league? Oh, Two like weeks ago, it was Kevin Love. Uh, I don't know. Those are the kind of players I like. I like past their. Pro- I just loved washed guys. I love washed big men. Um, those are my favorites. Yeah, I'll Have say play accepted- Marcus all thirty minutes a night. I'm just saying he's a bench piece. You need to. You gotta have somebody coming off the bench. You'd have Mickey to by hope- LOL. Okay. The, the, you'd have to hope if you brought in Gasol, it wouldn't be an 82 game player. Hopefully he does not give you more right. than like three, four minutes a night during the, uh, the regular season. He's a 16 game player. I'm also not suggesting really... that they pay Kevin Love $30 million a year. I think if they negotiate a buyout and you can get him on the minimum. Yeah. You now you're talking about some good value. Anthony Bennett, right? You want him to search out Anthony Bennett. And, Ooh, and bring is him he back even available? And... <laughs> does he still play basketball anywhere? Um, but I mean, his, Concerns over Gasol aren't totally off. If we're going to push back, the yeah. the maybe unfounded pushback is twofold. One, 16 games, not 82. Two, we didn't really – I mean, he, he looked awful. We can't pretend. He looked awful for L.A., and he looked pretty bad during the playoffs. But yeah. we didn't really get to see what he would look like in different matchups. The Lakers got pushed out immediately. And so there's a possibility there are – series where you could use Gasol, you know, there, there could be some upside. Now, mm-hmm. is he a corpse possibly? Maybe, you know, maybe, but it's not guaranteed yet. Right. And I'm just saying like, if it's from 14, if it's between trading down from 14 to 22 and you get a, you know, a nice bench player out of it, I don't know. It's just worth considering. West, um, you don't have the technology to tell that like all the nasty com- or comments in our page are coming from me, right? You can't see that. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't. There's no okay, good. You got more burner accounts than Kevin. Durant. I got a few. I got a few burner green uh, green room accounts, <laughs> and it is what it is, man. When they start saying how great Bram is, don't you worry about that. You know, don't don't look too hard at him. Uh, I think generally speaking, we'll we'll tie the knot on this um, uh, here, but if you're looking at the names that the Warriors are considering at number seven, right? You're talking about Davian Mitchell, James Booknight, Moses Moody, Josh Giddy, Kaminga if he falls, but we'll see. Um, can you move seven for a player who helps you more now than those guys? I think absolutely. I think, I think all those guys bring different things to the table. I think Mitchell can help you right away defensively. I think Booknight can help you right away offensively. I think Moody can help unlock a lot of interesting lineups for them. 
I think Giddy has got a ton of upside. I think he'd be a really intriguing fit there at number seven. But uh, if you can get a guy who you know can just be you know, one of your five or six best players, then I think you have to do it, right? Like I just I think you have to do it and just say, you know what, the hell with our upside. Let's just let's just go make this move now and, and try to make the most of this window. Um, and here's a weird analogy, but all of my analogies are weird. It's well provided. Um, and it's uh, it's a piece of unsolicited advice to Warrior fans. And it's something I'm trying to do. Enjoy this. Don't be stressed about it. Here's the stupid analogy. When I was a kid and my parents told me that we were going to like grab ice cream, I'd start stressing out about what I was going to order. You know, and like, I mean, I just I wasn't sure what flavor and I'd be like sweating and be all weird. And I kind of screwed up the drive over. I'd be all worried about it on this experience I would otherwise enjoy. The Warriors are going to, if they don't trade this or if they do, whatever happens between now and when the season starts, they are going to add legitimate pieces to a core that can compete right now. And if we look at how the season just ended, next year's NBA is wide open. It's wide open. And that's not me speaking. That's Vegas speaking. Vegas gave the Warriors the fourth best odds at winning the championship. So when you're looking at this scenario and you're trying to, oh, who would they pick? Will they trade it? What's going to happen? My suggestion is enjoy it. Enjoy it. You're going to get something that you like. Don't stress on what it would be. Think about it and, and argue about it and you know get in and out of the details. But there's a way that we can just enjoy this thing as opposed to being stressed about it. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of the action at Bet Online. Get all of the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, go to the website or on your phone, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but only when you use that promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but unlike most protein bars, it actually tastes good, and it's good for you. Built Bar is great for health-conscious men and women, whether you want to maintain or lose weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high in fiber. They have plenty of delicious flavors available now. Coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. I'm not lying when I tell you I have five boxes of Built Bars in my apartment right now. I have mint brownie, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, and double chocolate, and I've really been enjoying the orange. Uh, if you don't have a favorite yet, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two each of nine flavors. I highly recommend that to those of you who will be new to Built Bar. Not only is Built Bar the best tasting protein bar I've ever had, but it's healthy too. Check out these macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. This is perfect for every diet. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to Built.com, use that promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off on your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Second question. 
How does the Bucks winning the championship impact the Warriors? Now, Bram, this was your question that you wanted to, to put into uh, today's show. Yep. So I think if everything stays the status quo, this, this was the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because I saw a couple of tweets first from Magic Johnson. And then I saw ESPN follow suit, and the rumors are already swirling, even if they are complete BS. But the if if everything stays status quo, um, nobody leaves, the team stays as they are, and we enter into next year, it doesn't. It doesn't really change anything. You know, the Bucks will be good. We're still looking at Brooklyn. Warriors need to develop. It is what it is. But what Magic Johnson came out and said and what ESPN followed, and now what we are hearing is, well, what if Chris Paul opts out? What if after getting this close, he wants to do anything he can to put himself in a position to win? He opts out of the $44 million option he has for next year in Phoenix, and he then joins another super team. And who Magic was suggesting and who ESPN was suggesting, shockingly, were the Lakers and LeBron. And so if that's what happens, if, if CP3 takes a discount and goes and joins LeBron and AD – I think that does change the Warriors' uh, future. You mm-hmm. know, I don't know how that necessarily matches up. You know, Chris Paul is, is kind of a pain in the ass, and I don't know if LeBron would like to listen to him. But that's a whole different West if that's the way that, this, uh, that the dominoes ultimately fall. Yeah, and then there's also some Eastern Conference teams like the Knicks. They're rumored to have Chris Paul highest on their list. Now, I don't know that that really changes what the Warriors are going to do because I don't think the Knicks – even with Chris Paul, our, our championship contender. But um, by the way, I think LeBron and Chris, like that's an awful, that's an awful combo, right? Like <laughs> both players really want the ball to control everything on offense, right? Like that's not a great combination. I mean, I know that James Harden, very kind of similar player to LeBron in the way that they play offense, you know, very slow, half court, methodical, need the ball in their hands, whatever. Uh, and, and they went, and that was probably the best Rockets team, right? It was the one with Chris Paul and James Harden, but I don't think that's a great combination. I I don't know. No, you're right. Well, and it would become a media war. It's the kind of combination where if it didn't work out, it will destroy friendships and lead to like scorched earth. You know, I mean, like, like LeBron's passive aggressive media takes when he's unhappy with somebody, you know, who that will not necessarily work with and won't go unanswered Chris Paul. Uh, but I mean, that's. To actually bring it back to the question that we started with, that's how it would impact the Warriors. And I don't – it doesn't change how you approach the offseason. If you're Golden State, you still just make this team as good as you can be. You don't, you know, you don't go chase a possible roster with the Lakers and CP3. But it will impact them next year. You know, that, yeah. It's a different mountain to climb in the West if that's what goes down. And I, I really do think that the Bucks look. I know that Brooklyn is going to be presumably healthy next year. Philadelphia could make some moves over the offseason. In fact, we expect them very much to make some moves over the offseason and improve that team. Uh, and all these things, I think the Bucks are still going to be up there. I think, you know, what Giannis showed in the in the finals, uh, I, don't, I don't think you can count Milwaukee out even with a healthy Eastern Conference. But it's going to be really tough uh, to beat anybody out of the East. But it's going to be really, really tough to just get that far if you're the Warriors, right? Like the Western Conference is loaded. Uh, the Lakers are going to be right back, even if they don't make any major improvements. Just having LeBron and AD healthy, they are going to be better than what they were and should still be considered favorites in the Western Conference. We'll see what happens with Kawhi and the Clippers. The Nuggets should be right back there, depending on what Jamal Murray looks like when he comes back. And he's going to miss most of the season anyway, but he should be back by the playoffs, I would think. Utah's going to be right there. Phoenix, if they keep Chris Paul, right, 
I, I don't think they're going anywhere, right? Like De- even if Chris Paul takes a step back as he gets older, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikal Bridges, all those guys are only getting better. Like I think they could be right back in it. I, it wouldn't shock me if they went back to the finals next year. I think that's a really deep and good team um, that could still make some improvements this off season. Um, you know, there's other teams that I, like Memphis could ascend, New Orleans could ascend, Dallas could ascend, right? Like there's a bunch of things that could happen. Um, it's going to be a grind to get out of the Western Conference. So I think no. Did, did the Bucks winning the championship really change things for the Warriors? No, I think the mission still is you really need to improve this team, and it's not enough just to rely on Clay Thompson coming back and hoping to get a leap out of James Wiseman. Like there needs to be some substantial improvements to this roster uh, in order to get to where it is that they want to go. I mean, and when you talk about the West, you can take the contenders and argue that they won't be as good. And you can take the non-contenders and argue that they're all going to take a bunch of steps forward, right? Mm-hmm. Lakers are yeah. older. Chris Paul is older. Uh, with the Clippers, although it was just a partial tear, I was talking about uh, Kawhi's injury with a friend of mine who's an orthopedic surgeon. And he hasn't looked at Kawhi's MRI. He doesn't know anything. But what he told me is that generally speaking, partial tears have the exact same surgery full tears do. So there's a chance that Kawhi misses a huge part of next year. So, you know, the contender picture, you can say that, you know, maybe they won't be contenders. What about the, the, the bottom end of the bracket? And you just hit it all. I mean, who the hell is Zion Williamson next year? Who's New Orleans? What happens with Dallas? You know, is, is Porzingis going to find himself? Does a new coach completely unlock Luka? So uh, the, the West next year is an a new coach year. could A new coach could unlock Luka. Jason Kidd, I'm not sure, unlocks Luka. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair enough. You're, you're destroying what I thought was a really well-put-together point, even if it wasn't <laughs> correct. But yeah, okay, fair enough. Shots fired at Jay Kidd. And we got there. I hate you now. It took a while. You know, we're, we're pretty deep in, but we got there. My first hate yep. you to West. There we go. Um, all right, you know what? Let's hold the Space Jam 2 question for a moment because I have a feeling no cap who wants to, to talk and ask us a question isn't asking us about that. And it's probably asking us something basketball-related. Uh, no cap, what's your question, man? It's my guy. You're on mute. Yep. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, would you trade uh, the number 14 pick for uh, Tyler Hero? Uh, I would do that in a heartbeat. I think Miami would laugh and hang up the phone. I wouldn't okay. let them finish the question. Of course, the, se- if, the second I saw those from Miami and they said the word Tyler, the answer would be yes. And then I'd hang up so they couldn't change their mind. Right. And you'd be like, I hope it's the right Tyler. I hope it wasn't Tyler Johnson. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, is Tyler Hansborough <laughs> play for that team? Oh, right. Who knows what's going on? Yeah. You, you call up Joe like good news. Tyler is coming. Yeah. We're getting Tyler. Yeah. Also, uh, would you would you guys consider taking uh uh what is it, Kispert at number seven? Too high Go for ahead, me. Man. Yeah. yeah, too high for me. Um, and 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 so this isn't fair. First, no cap. Let me give you props, man. Let me give you props for having the balls, for having the willingness, for stepping up and asking us a question live, man. We've been trying to do that a couple of weeks, and we've had a lot of people balk. So, you know, thank you, man. Good for fucking Yeah, and I, I, I kind of have no choice because I have Android, so I can't chat at all. So. Oh, well, I'm still giving you credit. Don't you worry about that. Um, and then the Appreciate it, man. So if this Thanks, isn't, God. you know, I, I have it. not watched Kispert um, a lot. I've watched a little bit of film, but I don't have as much knowledge on him. But I am the kind of person where if I've seen somebody name in a certain spot for long enough and I've, I saw his name associated with the Warriors at 14 over and over again, 
where if they took him with that first selection at seven, I think I would be disappointed. I feel like that's a little early for him. I think it's very early for Kispert. I've heard his name more in the, you know, the, the 10 to 20 range. than I've heard him from like, you know, seven to 10 and even 10 to me feels pretty high. I know a lot of people are penciling him into new Orleans there at number 10. Um, that even that for the Pelicans seems high to me. Right. And I understand like the fit with him and everything, but, um, there are concerns with him as far as what he could do with the ball in his hands. He's an awesome three point shooter. But and defensively, he tries, but there are just times where he floats through games or he doesn't make his presence felt. It's just like at a seven, you want somebody who just like plays with a little bit more force. You know what I mean? Who makes their presence known more consistently. And and for and Kispert seven, even if it's a really good fit, I think there are better guys at seven who could play right away. Right. And even like even if you wanted a Kispert type, like I like Trey Murphy out of Virginia a little bit more than Kispert, if I'm being honest. Now, I might look like an idiot, you know, four years from now, but. I think he could do a little bit more defensively for you than Kispert can, um, even if Kispert's a marginally better uh, three-point shooter. But Chad Ford said this on his on his NBA Draft Big Board podcast. I thought it was really well put. Kispert can really, really shoot the ball. There's no doubt about it. His percentages are great. But he questions whether or not he has a shooter's mentality. Like he, Chad Ford, who watches more stuff and, and does more work on this than anybody else, said basically he would watch a, a Corey Kispert game and if he misses his first two or three jumpers, like he'll just like kind of stop shooting. And that's not like the mindset that Steph has. You know what I mean? Like that's not the mindset that Clay has. And he wonders like, okay, yeah, the percentages are good, but does he have a shooter's mentality? Sure. And if he doesn't really have that mentality and can't really do anything else, uh, how valuable is he there? Um, I think no cap out of follow-up or is this an Android malfunction? Yeah, yeah no, no, no. <laughs> No, it's a follow-up um, because it's a question I always forget to ask you. Why is no one talking about, uh, what is it, Jessup? What's going on with him? Justin and Jessup. Next season? So Justin and Jessup can be on the roster next year. He will be, um, as, as the last I heard, he'll be at Summer League and, and most likely be at training camp, and he'll have an opportunity. Uh, but uh, there is nothing guaranteed. Um, the Warriors all along have told me, yeah, we can bring him over next year, but it's not a guarantee. So I think it really just depends on how the rest of the offseason plays out and whether or not they feel like they need him. But I'll say this. You don't make a move or not make a move because you've got Justin and Jess up over, like, stashed, no. stashed away no. overseas. And I'll, I'll add this. We've had a couple of draft experts on the pod over the years. And so we've developed a relationship with them. And recently I asked both of those experts what they thought of Jessup. And I got the same one-word answer from both of them. Who? Which was <laughs> not what I wanted to hear, you know? And so it, <laughs> it, is, it is possible. I mean, you know, that we spend, as Warrior fans, we spend more attention on the people who could help Golden State. So the fact that they had not been watching this dude doesn't you know, mean anything on its own. But it's not the best sign if people you know, who watch college basketball and NBA prospects for a living had never even heard of Jessup in certain settings. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm no longer holding my breath that he could be the answer. Brian, we've got another question from Asher in the queue here. Do you want to get to that or do you want to get our Space Jam 2 stuff out of the way first? I don't know how long you want to avoid this Space Jam conversation, you know, but I, yeah, we could do one more, one more uh, right. question from the crowd and then dive in here. Asher, what's up, man? Hey, can y'all hear me? Yep. We gotcha. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so Wes, on the ultimate mock draft, you traded, I believe, the 14th pick uh, with Memphis to get Kyle Anderson. 
right. can you talk a little bit more about why you made that decision and <laughs> you think it's an actual possibility? Um, well, just give us give us some color, Wes. This was during yeah. so you guys did a live mock draft and you so, actually swung a trade during the mock draft. Yeah, so we did so over at the locked on and thank you, Asher, for the question. So over during so over at Locked On, we pre-recorded. I, I think this was like two weeks ago, a, a a huge like project mock draft thing where uh, each host for the local shows makes their own pick. Trades were you know welcome and stuff. So we we all were like in an email thread. We had a certain amount of time on the clock, and I actually was ready to just go ahead and pick at number fourteen. And then the Memphis Grizzlies host hit me up and he was like, "What would it take to move up?" Uh, or to get this 14th pick from you. And I said, well, you know, make me an offer. Are you guys he offered? Are you, wait, do you uh, know the message? He's actually, we yeah, he's actually he's been on the yeah, show, yeah. right? Yep, okay. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Sean Coleman. So, um, you know, we went, we went back and forth a little bit. I asked for John Morant. He said, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of went down from there, landed on Kyle Anderson, who at first I was like, eh, but then I was thinking about his fit on the roster. I was like, that's kind of perfect. Right, because you could play Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Kyle Anderson, and Draymond, not really lose much size, not lose much defense. Kyle Anderson's a really good defender, really good rebounder. You could keep Wiggins on the perimeter. I think the Warriors are stretching him a little bit when they try to play him at the four. Um, you can move Kyle Anderson to the four. Like I said, good rebounder, good defender, strong, big. You're not losing a ton of size there. Wiggins is still able to be on the perimeter and guard other perimeter guys so that Steph and Clay aren't left having to do it. I think that, that that's basically your closing lineup in the playoffs. And if it means punting at number 14, and by the way, James Booknight was on the board at 14, and I didn't think he would fall that far. I was actually like, oh, really wow. surprised, and I was like, I'm going to get Davian Mitchell and James Booknight. That's the turn the same trend. <laughs> a lot of people probably think it is, and I don't know if that's where Asher was coming from the question from, but I was just like, dude, you're getting you're you're able to get a guy and basically just snap into place your closing lineup in the playoffs where – as much upside as Book Knight or, or Mitchell or whoever you think in the in the lottery might have, none of those players are doing that for you right now. And I just thought it was the perfect way to go ahead and, um, you know, basically fill out the Warriors' rotation. And when did you make the trade, Wes? Was it when when you were at fourteen and you saw those players yes. available, and then so you knew you knew Book Knight, you knew all those guys would be there, and then that's when you yep. pulled the trigger on Slova. Okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah, fourteen was there. Book Knight was there. I was like, wow, I'm gonna get the steal of the draft here in the lottery, and then and then they oh, and the other thing too, I so I said no, and then I said, but you if unless you throw in a future first round pick, so I got a future first rounder out of it. That's what <laughs> that's what put me over the over the top, right? Because if now you're the Warriors. You get an asset for later on that you can use in another deal or potentially make a take a take a player with because I look I think Memphis's young core is awesome but I don't think they're blossoming into a championship contender anytime soon so I got a first round pick for next year out of it I thought that was a slam dunk right like you're punting on a 14th pick that first rounder can end up better than 14 right so um, yeah I, I love thought it was an easy trade analyzing a fake trade that was done two months ago and I, I but what I what two weeks ago to me uh, two weeks ago fair enough. What really speaks to me, and you're in a, an interesting position to answer this, because we'll never get to ask a GM, and if we could, we'd never actually get to get a real answer. How much easier was it to make a trade with someone you had a relationship with, right? If that dude, the guy from Memphis, hadn't hit mm. you up, if you didn't have him as a friendship with him, do you think you actually would have been able to make a trade? 
No, I think that's how all this stuff works, right? And that's a that's 100% how it works in front offices. And so I do implore people who want to try to put fake trades together, go back and look at Bob Myers's trades that he has swung. Look at the front offices that he's uh-huh. worked with. And yeah. that that is a thing in the NBA. That is and like you said Bram, like they might not ever say like look, you can you could pull off a trade with a team if it's the right situation whatever, you've never worked with them before. You have to work with somebody first to work with them at all, but um you know, you look again, you look at the, the trades that they have they have made and typically on when it's like a trade deadline type of deal or a night of the draft type of deal to your point, Bram, it's those kinds of re- relationships that end up uh, helping because there, you know that there's already a trust there based on how things went. Now, I will say this. I don't know how like stoked Minnesota would be to trade again with golden state. Like you talk like the whole point of having a relationship is an established amount of trust. And Minnesota probably is sitting there feeling like, wow, you like you shook us for all of the pennies in our pockets. The last time we made a deal, uh, let's not do that again. So maybe the Timberwolves wouldn't be super excited to trade with the Warriors again. But other than that, don't you imagine too, for that Minnesota trade, I mean, if I was Bob Myers and you're doing that, you're probably saying the entire time, like, look, this is killing me, but I'm going to hook you up. You know, Carl Anthony Towns wants to play with D'Angelo. I know you guys are having problems. I know none of us like Wiggins. We'll even <laughs> take him back, you know. And then, like, we fast forward this couple of years, and everyone recognizes they got completely fleeced. It would be super hard to call him up. Like, yeah, see, I hooked you up, man. Everything worked out, right? <laughs> like, D'Angelo played really well. Um, all right. It's time, Bram. Let's go. Here's how you phrase the, you posed this question to me in our uh, pre-show, let's call it a production meeting, which was just a couple of text messages. Is Space Jam 2 terrible? And so when you posed the question to me in that way, I knew you had already read my tweet. Um, I, I had you wanted. I, I had I, not. I read it really? afterwards, but go ahead. Yes, I was surprised at your answer, but go ahead. I know you want to pick a fight, so go ahead, pick a fight. So let's answer the question, and I think it's going to pick a fight. Um, was Space Jam 2 terrible? Yes. Resounding, yes. But to be perfectly honest with you, I don't even think that's the debate. I think that everybody basically has already conceded that it's terrible. I don't have your tweet in front of me. But essentially what it said is, look, it's got plot holes. The acting's not great. But what did you expect, you said, Right. So the debate isn't, was it terrible? Yes, it's terrible. The debate seems to be, since it's for kids, it's okay that it's terrible. Kids' movies are by definition bad, seems to be the argument. Well, Wes, bullshit. Bullshit with a capital fucking B. I am a parent. There's a lot of downsides to being a parent. One of them, do you know how many kids' movies I watched then? I've, I've got a Disney Plus uh, subscription. You know, if I, if I can come up with an excuse to sit down with my kid in front of a screen... I do. So because of that, I can tell you from personal experience, just because movies are made for kids does not mean that they're poorly acted, does not mean that they're filled with plot holes, does not mean that they're terrible. So this one, it was a successful movie for kids. My kid liked it. Kylie was on board. And making a bad movie for kids isn't necessarily a terrible thing. Fine. You know, Kevin Durant did it. Uh, Jordan did it. I mean, it's been done in the past. But if really the question is, looking at Space Jam as just a regular moviegoer, was it a good movie? Of course it wasn't. It was dog shit, Wes. There's, there's no other way to look at this. Um, I, so I'm coming from a place of nostalgia 
somewhat, right? Because these are two Space Jam One and Space Jam Two are only related in name and the fact that both have Looney Tunes in them. And for the record, I have seen every moon movie that Lola Bunny is in over the last 20 years, which is two movies. Two. Seen them both. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 and loved them both, apparently. I love them both. She, I think, is my favorite actress. It's her and Amy Adams um, are her favorite actresses. Um, but I found the movie – and so, again, I'm coming from a place of nostalgia. Space Jam 1, Bram, was one of my movies growing up. And when I say that, I watched – you know, when, when you're a kid – you watch kind of like the same four or five movies over and over and over again, sure. right? I'm oh, yeah. sure you're dealing with that. Yeah. Uh, Space Jam, Mortal Kombat, those were two of those movies for me. Like they're, all, it's kind of the same thing for me. And I and I can't believe I haven't seen the new Mortal Kombat yet. And I imagine a lot of people call that terrible too, but it's a nostalgia play, and I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with the fact that I am now of that age where people, where marketers are just looking at me as dumb consumer. Let's just remake the movie you liked when you were a kid. And you'll pay for it. And I'm like, 100%, yes, I will do that. Um, so now that I've entered that age range, I'm happy about it. I actually, So all that said, and understanding that I'm coming from a place of bias because of that nostalgia, I found Space Jam 2 remarkably charming. No. I actually found it. Uh, no, I, I, that's a lie. I, no way. I do not believe you. You did not find it charming. There's no way. I found the, it charming. The I found terrible relationship between he and his son. Like, what part did you find charming? Because there was... I found zero... that charming. No, you did not. They, I they, did. There's, there's, you did not believe one of the conversations they had. You spent it wasn't most about, of it No, it's about a suspension awful. of... You have to suspend belief a little bit, Bram, because it's a movie about the the biggest star in the sports world talking to a Looney Tune in real life. And the fact when they walk through, like, that Matrix portal or whatever, he's <laughs> only, like, mildly... He's only mildly surprised by it <laughs> that that even happened, <laughs> which I found hilarious. He was like, oh, that's crazy. And then at the end, spoiler alerts for everybody. This is we're not talking basketball, so you could just like log off if you hate this. But like spoiler alerts for everybody. His wife ends up getting into this like other realm. Oh, it doesn't make she's any only sense. like she just needs like about an elevator pitch worth of a uh, explanation for what happened. She was like, oh, OK, I got it. Now this is fine. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But uh, all that said, I actually thought that the message behind it was better than in Space Jam 1. I thought Space Jam 1 was better. Okay. But I do think that, like, Dude, I actually message. appreciated LeBron was willing to be vulnerable and say, you know what? I'll be like this kind of asshole dad in this movie who kind of learns a lesson by the end. I found that part charming. And by the way, he's an awful actor. I know that. I also didn't expect anything from LeBron James because he's LeBron James okay. and not Leonardo DiCaprio. And I actually thought he tried really hard, which I found charming. Like, I don't think he was a bad actor no. for a lack of trying. I actually think that was kind of sad how bad he was because Let's he was trying so order. hard. But I like that I, he tried hard. I got to go in order here. All right. So one, the one thing I will concede to you, the message from Space Jam 2 is better than Space Jam 1. Principally because Space Jam 1 used the word slavery all the time. The, if, yes. if anyone doesn't remember the plot line from 1, if Jordan lost, he was going to be literally sold into slavery to aliens, which is the most ridiculous. You know, something tells me that if you were trying to pitch a movie in 2021, one word that would not be involved, slavery. So you've got me there, man. But from there on out, I don't agree. Um, nostalgia. Remember that song, the Gatorade song, Sometimes I Dream, you know, Be Like Mike, that thing? Mm -hmm. and I've got nothing but nostalgia for that song. And when it comes on, I love it. I, you know, I, 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 
I think back to the days from when I first heard it. But at no point would I tell somebody it was a good song. It's not. It just reminds me of a time of my life that I ultimately enjoy, which leads me to the LeBron acting. So that's the real problem I have. I don't even agree with you that LeBron's a shitty actor. He was really solid in Trainwreck, the, the Amy Schumer movie. In fact, he might have been the fucking best part of that movie. He was, it was funny, a limited he was role, genuine, though. But he, was he wasn't good. the star. He wasn't stilted and awful. He is stilted and awful in this movie. So, I mean, it's, again... Mike Did he give a worse performance it. in that movie or in the 2011 finals? The, okay, I, you know, almost a push on the two of them. <laughs> and so that all of us can follow... The, there's, there's two conversations that are going on here, ladies and gentlemen, because Wes and I... We also have a standing agreement or disagreement on Jordan versus LeBron. And Wes came on a podcast a while back and we did a tournament for the best fictional basketball player of all time. And Wes <laughs> barnstormed my fucking tournament, destroyed it, and had Lola Bunny win. So there's a lot of things going I on. I stand there's by a it. Lot of like, yeah, there's a lot of pent-up anger. But I will not sit back and hear you call this a good movie because it's not. It's I just – is it, is it bad because LeBron's acting was bad? It's one of the reasons it was bad. You so know, here's my thing is that you like you didn't you also have to know what you're consuming, right? Like if you buy a cheeseburger and then you feel bad afterwards, you're not going to be like, wow, there's something wrong with that cheeseburger. You're going to say, that's what I got because I ordered a cheeseburger. Where if you're watching Space Jam 2 and you're expecting Quentin Tarantino film level acting, that's on you. OK, but that's not the question. I didn't write you and say. Is Space Jam 2 Quentin Tarantino level acting? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's not. But, you know, if, if I go and I'm. But that doesn't make a movie bad. It does, That's all no, I'm saying. It doesn't, it doesn't make a movie bad. It doesn't. And, I mean, I, I'll take it the other way. The, the, if I go to McDonald's and I get a burger and the burger is, is okay, you know, it's not great, fine. I went to McDonald's. It is what it is. You know, the, the, the fact that this isn't a great movie because it wasn't trying to be isn't in and of itself a shot at it. You know, that's fine. I understand what they were making. But the, this argument that I see uh, you know, made online and social media, this whole thing of like, remember, this was for kids and from kids. Now you have to say it's a good movie. No, no, no. That's not true. I do so not I'm not a that. kid. I am not a kid. I, yep. enjoy, I didn't I don't have kids. So I didn't watch it for kids as a kid. And but I enjoyed it, it as a 30 year old. One. You liked it because of the first. No, one, I actually liked I liked one. it. I liked it because of what it was. I liked it by itself. I was a little I disappointed that they didn't play the original Space Jam song in it. <laughs> That's really what it was. I was look. I liked it for what it was. I, Again, didn't even I found like, it charming. They didn't even have an original uh, video game in there. NBA Jams exists. You know, it's like, not NBA Jams. Like it. it was it called was NBA. NBA. It was NBA Dunk or something. Like they yeah, called it, it was, something different. It was like NBA Jams with a Z or something. I mean, like that. That entire thing. I just, you know, I guess we'll have to agree. I I like that. One other part that I liked about it was that they got in like a lot of kids stuff like uh, Don Cheadle's like sidekick was like the Jar Jar Binks of that movie. Right. Where he's, he's just there for the kids and, you know, whatever. But I actually <laughs> thought they got in a bunch of like solid basketball references for people our age. Right. Like they had the Dwayne you just Wade, like the James dunk. They had yeah, the, that's all you, you know, wanted. With they the had a, the anything is possible thing. I actually thought they had like a lot of uh like digs on LeBron, like, oh, all he does is leave. He left Cleveland. He left Miami, left Cleveland again. Look out, Los Angeles. Like, I thought for LeBron to be in that movie and basically have to sign off on all of that because it was under his production company was pretty self-aware and pretty cool by him. Not, I, I just found that really cool. Like, I, I again, call, goes to the charm. 
your best friend, the Memphis host and tell him to just stop all trades with you. You're not, you're not in the right place, man. You're, you're kind of screwed up mentally. I don't know if it's the nostalgia thing, something, but no, this, this movie's terrible. Dude. That there's it's just hook, line and sinkle. It's terrible. It's because I'm fielding all those Pacers trades again. My brain broke. <laughs> all right. Well, usually we end this in some sort of uh, agreement, but I think this is a better place to leave it. Just in complete disagreement over whether or not, not space about, jam two is good. Yeah. I stand by it. Space Jam We're, Two was good. It's not going to win an Oscar, but it was a good movie. I don't, I, I don't know We're that I'll ever watch 40s. it again. But it was a good movie. <laughs> you and I are going to drink together and have a green room episode as we watch that thing live, and and just fucking like we're going to come to some kind of come to Jesus moment where you recognize no, this is awful. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. We got some time to to make that happen. Thanks to everybody who tuned in. Um, five golden questions here on the Green Room app. Thanks to everybody who is listening to the recording of this, whether it's on the Locked On Warriors podcast feed or on the Warriors Huddle podcast feed. And thanks, of course, to uh, No Cap and to Asher for tuning in and uh, re- raising their hands and asking us some questions. Of course, you could do that by tuning in live every Thursday, noon Pacific time. Uh, we're probably not going to do this Thursday noon next week bram i think this is the first that we're discussing this but maybe we try to do something after the draft like on friday if that works yeah, but that sounds like all right. a plan all righty thanks to everybody for listening thanks bram this was fun man it always is and i've screwed this up in the past so if you would like to join us live and you do download the green uh, room app before i've said look up warriors huddle if you do that you will not find me apparently you have to look <laughs> up Bram Hillsman. So H-I-L-L-S-M-A-N. Look that up. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you in a week.